Welcome to Cafecito with Rosie on air, where you'll get to know local professionals, entrepreneurs, movers, and shakers, and how they're helping their community. Hear exclusive interviews from thriving individuals, get inspired, and learn from them. And now, your host, author, speaker, commissioner, Medicare broker, business owner, published author, and business trailblazer, Rosie Paulson. Welcome to Cafecito with Rosie on air. I am super excited that we are in month five of 2022. This month, we are going to be concentrating on mentors and influencers. No, 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 that's the wrong one. We're gonna be going about, talking about don't going back once you make a, once you make a decision. We are on the second quarter of 2022, and we are talking about the theme called persistence. What do you need to do to be successful, achieve a thriving, successful, and profitable business? I'm the guest of your show, Rosie Paulson, and in this show, I feature business owners, who they are, what they do, and how they help the community. Today, Danielle Hernandez is an immigration attorney who founded and who founded and managed a boutique immigration law called DVH Law Group. Danielle decided to dedicate her career to helping immigrants navigate the complex U.S. immigration legal system. Danielle has over a decade of experience as an attorney and has served as an assistant chief counselor for the Department of Homeland Security, where she tried hundreds of cases on behalf of the federal government. Danielle worked as a political analyst for the federal government and is passionate about public service. And I can testify for that because Danielle and I are originally from Ecuador and we used to serve together at the Equal Business Opportunity Council with the city of Tampa. Hello, Danielle, how are you today? Good morning, Rosie. Thank you for having me on the show this morning. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your busy uh, uh, lawyer and immigration firm to come and talk to us and let us know who you are. So let's start with just that. So who is Danielle Hernandez? Um, you know, the person. Are you married? Do you have children? How long have you been living in the U.S.? And things like that. Well, my, as you know, my name is Danielle. I am a single mom of a five-year-old little boy named Henry. Um, I've been in Tampa Bay about three years, and I found my way back in Florida after 10 years. I left here when I was about 20-something uh, years old and traveled the, the country with work, and now I find myself back here enjoying my family. I've, I've, I've come to a point in my life that I spend a lot of time with my mom and my brothers and my siblings. Oh, and, and that is amazing. It's uh, it's a blessing to be able to have our family with us and that we can still uh, celebrate those holidays together and, uh, and you know, uh, have that conversation one-to-one in real life with them, right? So, yeah, it's wonderful. So were you born in Ecuador or did you... What, or, or your family's, or your heritage is from Ecuador? Actually, I am a first generation everything, I tell people, right? Uh, uh -huh. My family all immigrated from Ecuador. Uh, my mom came with her six siblings and my grandparents, and they all worked very hard in factories in Massachusetts and Miami uh, as we were growing up. 
And I was literally the first generation. I was the first grandchild <laughs> born in the U.S. And we are my my brothers and I were the first generation Americans. But our, our family never. Um, they were very proud of their Ecuadorian roots. So mm -hmm. Spanish language was always spoken at home. We ate a lot of our traditional dishes mm -hmm. and we celebrated all the holidays in a traditional way. So I never realized how much of the Ecuadorian culture and influence was part of my life until I went away to college. Uh -huh. <laughs> so what's your favorite Ecuadorian dish? My favorite Ecuadorian dish is called yapingachos. Oh, yeah. Little, um, like it's like a mashed potato yeah. patty served with a, like a peanut, it's like a peanut butter sauce. And yeah. it's just amazing. Yeah, yeah, yapingachos. And they're really easy to make, believe it or not. I mean, it's just, you can make it with mashed potatoes, with instant mashed potatoes. It doesn't, it tastes better if you do it with regular potatoes. Of course. But hey, when you have to do it in a rush, that's it. Yeah, it's it solves the problem. But I grew up eating all these typical dishes. So when I went away to school, I realized, um, you know, how much our heritage really influenced my upbringing, especially with food. <laughs> yes, yes, that's one of those. That's one of those uh, crazy, crazy things. So awesome. So, how? What inspired you to become a lawyer? Was there a situation in your life, or when was the aha moment that you decided, man, this is what I'm gonna do for life? So I was, you know, I think something in the U.S. I try to tell people my my words of wisdom is not everybody knows like exactly what they want to do when they turn mm -hmm. 18. Mm -hmm. so here, there's kind of like a pressure to pick a career or you know, and you're sometime in your early 20s when it's graduate school time. So I went to undergrad and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was a psychology major, and I did four years of um, undergraduate degree in psychology, and I I worked on campus as a like in the counseling office, but I also held a full-time job. I was a retail manager, I guess. I wore many hats mm -hmm. all, of, all of my life. And uh, working on campus, I realized the psychology is not something I wanted to pursue. So I, mm -hmm. I thought, I, what are other options? What do I want to do with this uh, pretty diverse degree? Then um, I came across a friend who talked about law school. And back then, we didn't have all of the resources that we now have, like, you know, everything's online you can find anything you need i think i still did my fafsa application by paper uh -huh. <laughs> one of those years um so i said let me try this law school thing and once i applied and got in and took the test i said okay this sounds pretty good but it wasn't until i have to be very candid it wasn't until sometime uh in my 30s when i realized I am exactly doing what I'm meant to be. I want to be an attorney because I realized after I, I went through the degree and had my law license that having this license is, it's it's a really awesome tool, really awesome way to be able to help an unlimited amount of people being an actual attorney that can help people solve their problems. You, It's just one way of helping people solve legal problems, but um, I, I realized what an amazing advantage or amazing opportunity I had with this law degree. So uh, early in my, I guess to answer the question, my, my early 20s, I said, okay, law school sounds good. While I was in school, I was, I was a great student. I enjoy going to school. I love learning. And uh, it wasn't until sometime in my 30s when I said, 
wow, this feels perfect. This is exactly what I want to do with my life. So we'll, we'll get to it with more questions, but it took a little bit of navigating and trying on different hats to realize what it is exactly that I wanted to do. Yeah, awesome. And did you have a mentor that you probably look up to and somebody that you kind of like bounced off ideas or sometimes, you know, school is not always easy and it's about perseverance. We, we're talking about persistence, right? How I long love was that. Your, well, how long was your your uh, schooling for? So I love the theme of perseverance and persistence because, as you know, uh, it, it takes a long time. Undergrad is four years and law school is three years. Then you have to take this exam after. So I had many mentors in different phases in my life. I love looking. I've always had an inclination towards uh, older mentors. Mm -hmm. So in high school, I had an older uh teacher, a science teacher who took me under her wing and she helped me all the way through law school. She was uh -huh. definitely a mentor that I looked up to. I was someone with a single parent household. My mom had three of us and my mom never made more than $10 an hour. I have no idea how mm -hmm. she managed all of us, but all, all of us quickly got jobs when we were 15 or 16. And this teacher really took me under her wing because she was able to give me that a professional opinion that second opinion on you know admissions essays we did a foreign uh i actually she prompted me to do a overseas student exchange program and we mm -hmm. went together to belarus oh wow in in 2000 to, it was actually the year 2000 so she really opened my eyes and opened my world her name is miss saltzman uh-huh so through her, I found another uh, mentor in high school, an English teacher. I, I think I've always had teachers as mentors. And when I got to college, I had um, the the office director of the, he's the head psychologist also served as another mentor to me. So in different phases of my life, when I got to law school, I got close to uh, another uh, very amazing uh, property teacher. I ended up being her research assistant. So through every phase of my life, I've looked to someone that's, you know, opened their arms, I guess you could say, to help me navigate that phase, that particular phase of my life. But I guess the constant mentor I've always had in my life has always been my mom, right? I look mm -hmm. up to her. Right. Um, with, I, I have no idea how she, with the perseverance to help us her goal was always for us to have a happy life, not telling us I need to do this or need to do that. Just what makes you happy? What makes you fulfill your purpose? Yeah. And and parents have a different way of approaching and seeing things. You know, uh, they, they, there's sometimes I say, I love my parents to death. Uh, they are amazing individuals. But sometimes I realize that um, they really don't always make the best sound decisions. Um, and I think that's one of the part of my upbringing where I realized, wow, as much as I love my parents, I choose not to make the decisions that they <laughs> have made because it's just so limiting. Um, they're getting better at it. But again, it's like when you grow up with that, you think that's the only normal thing. So I'm yeah. glad that you were able to get an exposure to something different. And I tell people all the time that I believe the main reason why we are and we immigrated, we migrated to the United States was my persistence with my parents of saying, hey, either you guys come with me or I'm out of here because I'm not staying here. I love that. I read that in your book. When I read Nyeke, I, I realized that you were very much, you always knew you belonged and wanted to be here in the United States. So I love that you persuaded them to finally 
they get you here. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. And it it's the mindset, right? The muñeca is that mindset to get what you want. And that's that's uh, what I did at 10 years old once I figured out what being an American was. So, Amazing. so right now, so when do you actually start practicing immigration law? And uh, um, what was one of those cases that you think, oh, my God, I can't believe I did this. But yes, I, 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 what was the outcome of that? So it's funny that you say, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, I would have said I'd never be an immigration attorney. I grew up in Miami, Florida, and most people around me were um, people that came to the United States. They immigrated and many of them overstayed their visa because they knew they wanted to pursue a life here and they were going to figure out a way to do it. So saying it in you know black and white, there were a lot of people who weren't in legal status. So I grew up with knowing this and this just this pressure and seeing everybody work. So I was like, wow, I never want to have to do that or charge people for money. But um, I, I started off as a, a federal government employee. Actually, I started in the World Bank. And then I worked in the CIA. I was a political analyst. And then I realized uh, I did a lot of pro bono work to just, you know, get your, my legal experience in. But I knew I just had a calling that I wanted to use my law degree. And the Department of Homeland Security gave me an opportunity as an immigration prosecutor, basically helping um, the administration uh, conduct deportations, to say it, you know, very easily. Um, I, I felt OK with my work because most of the focus back then was on people with criminal histories and just very determined uh, parameters, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so during that process, my aha moment was I saw the attorneys that um, these very hardworking immigrants were hiring. Mm -hmm. And I realized first, there's a disconnect. They don't speak the same language. Mm -hmm. I would say 95% of the attorneys that came into court with me didn't speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. And most of the the, the respondents spoke in Spanish. So the respondents had no idea what the attorneys were saying. And I, I very quickly realized they're placing a lot of faith and money into a person who just they can't even comprehend. And in my opinion, weren't doing them justice. Mm -hmm. So that was my aha moment. I said, OK, I have this in back of my my brain is if I'm able to go solo and work in the private sector, I, I know that I have the ability to be able to do it. So that was my my peak. And then I guess my, my moment, what pushed me over the edge to just become a full-time immigration attorney was COVID. I, I had already been an immigration attorney at a private law firm and I, I had done my experience with the federal government. But uh, during COVID, I was faced with the opportunity to either basically learn a new path to stay and you know in the privacy and comfort of a law firm and and learn just to build hours, right? Learn something new to keep my job, or just transition into something for myself. And I chose to bet on myself. Right. I said, you know, this is just the right time. I had a handful of clients, and people really didn't. Even in the in the law, I feel like a lot of people felt like they could not speak to their attorney. They can speak to the paralegal and they could speak to the assistants. But early in 2021, I said, "Okay, this is uh this is my moment." I I resigned from the law firm and I decided to go immigration full time, and it has been the best decision I've ever made. 
Yes, and I'm so happy because I kind of saw your uh, your trajectory, and it has been so amazing. I was I was blessed and honored to be able to help you and see your ribbon cutting where Mayor that was uh, so wonderful. Uh, was there to 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 welcome you and to say good job, Danielle. We believe we all believe in you. Um, and it's just it's been an amazing to see another ecuadorian just uh succeed as much as you have and and uh and love 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 that about this country too um where we can all succeed and again uh we were just talking to somebody right now about you know COVID is gonna bring its own challenges but um the going independent is what a lot of people chose after COVID because a priorities change you want to be at home with your kids you want to be able to manage your own time uh your schedule and be there for your kids and you can do that if you really work on a career that allows you to do it and and being the entrepreneur being uh the business owner you can't do that as long as you continue to be disciplined enough that you're gonna work right because yes. you can play a lot too <laughs> to work absolutely yeah. That was uh that's almost what scared me away. Well, I just want to say thank you. Yeah, you have been um such an amazing uh friend to find here in Tampa. I, I always count my blessings with all the, the wonderful women and people I've been able to meet here. And I'm like, I can't believe I found another Ecuadorian. <laughs> yeah. It's been such an amazing ride. But I had the same. I, I, I will reiterate, I'm a single mom, hundred percent single mother. I only have my immediate mom grandma that I brought here and I had to be able well, to spending a lot of time away from my child mm -hmm. and I'm one of those people that I will learn from reading someone else's stories and mm -hmm. I just don't want to blink and life pass me by and miss these moments that I cannot get back with my son so that was that was another very important factor for me I, I didn't want to stay at work until seven or eight and to the expense of my son when I can um, manage that on my own with my own business yeah and that's what i tell sometimes you know when uh, my daughter tabitha's in the room or steven steven is a little bit less uh, of the impact but the big impact was in with tabitha and um and i remember i was doing a presentation and i said if i can stop another mom just one mom to stop from that to, to being an absent parent, not because you mean to, not because you want to, but because you do not know any better. Uh, and I remember I started like tearing up and then my daughter's tearing mm -hmm. up in the room and there's so much <laughs> healing happened. And then afterwards, one of the ladies comes and said, you know, that's my biggest fears. My kids are growing up and I do not know who they are. Every time I come back home, they're grown and they're grown more. And I said, I'm glad. So now you got the opportunity to take uh, take control of this and be a present uh, parent for your child. So awesome. So one other thing that I wanted to kind of touch base uh, and we have just a few, uh, maybe a five, five more minutes, a little more. Um, it's about the Equal Business Opportunity Council. How did you end up wanting to get involved? Why was that important to you? And how do you think that gives back to the community to be a change so i for some reason when i when i came to tampa i was very driven by i don't think people realize what a unique and very uh active city this is it, it was really easily 
for me to identify, you know, the mayor's role, the city's role, the county's role. And then I, I wanted to get involved with something in, in, in the local community. So I came across without actually consulting it with anybody, the uh, an, a posting that they needed a legal advisor for or a legal role for the Equal Business Opportunity Advisory Council here in the city of Tampa. And I thought, I'd love to be able to do that. Like, I'd, I'd love to be able to um, work to promote equal business opportunity uh, opportunities for mm -hmm. small businesses. So I, I applied and I was appointed by the mayor of Tampa to serve on this council. So now what this, uh, which uh, Rosie definitely knows, this mm -hmm. council promotes the, um, the certification of small women-owned and minority-owned businesses in the city of Tampa. And the premise is to be able to have that certification that you could use, right? And I think there, there's some reciprocity with uh, the county. And then the city of Tampa obviously sometimes has uh, earmarked certain projects that they require a percentage of these um, companies or these certified businesses to be used. So it creates an opportunity to maybe have, um, a, you know, a, a bid into a city contract or even if you don't necessarily have a contract, there are a lot of networking opportunities. There are uh, networking events. Um, there are networking events within the city. I believe the office is very in tune with um, who's certified, what they do, and if there's something that's coming up, they can give a heads up to these kinds of groups to bid. Um, and I thought, coming from a, a Hispanic and background, I know that a lot of these companies are owned by um, minorities. And I thought I'd like to be able to be involved so that maybe we can cut some of the red tape and, and make the process a little bit more simple. Mm -hmm. I know we're still working on that yeah, because the certification process is definitely, uh, it's something we've talked about. Uh, you know, we've been certified. It's, okay. There are many, many steps and it, it can be a little bit complex. So I'm hoping to use even if it's um, Spanish language, to be able to spread the word, okay. I would like to spread awareness. I, I have learned in my years that awareness and knowledge is absolutely power. Yeah. Um, we were talking about ways to give back. Even with immigration, I have a radio show on the weekends in Spanish. And my aim is not, I'm not just saying, hey, call me. I'm, I'm spreading knowledge. I'm, I'm letting you know what is out there, what is possible what is right, what is wrong. And so I'm trying to do the same and I hope to deliver the same with it being in the EBOAC. Yeah, and that's awesome, awesome. And the last question I have for you is, if you can go back in time and tell your younger self something, what would that be? I think I would tell my younger self to trust uh, trust my instinct and I, I would tell myself that everything is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. I get told a lot that I'm a worry ward <laughs> <laughs> and my mom loves to tell me you're a worry ward, but I would just go back and tell myself that everything's going to be okay. If I could hop on a time machine and go back, be like, everything is going to be okay. As cliche as it could sound, trust the process, right? No path is directly linear. I didn't wake up knowing what I wanted to do. And most people don't. I admire people that know when they're young, hey, I know I want to be a prosecutor. That was me. <laughs> and that is okay. I think experience molds you into, you know, the person you are. And I, I would just go back and say, Danielle, everything's going to be fine. Oh, that is amazing. So tell me again, how can people find you, Danielle? So I am at abogadadanielle.com or dvhlawfirm.com. Um, people can reach out to me um, 
by my website. I'm on Facebook at DVH Lawyer. Uh, I'm on Instagram at DVH Lawyer. And I'll just shout out my phone number. I'm at 813-419-0272. Give me a call if I can ever be of help with anything. If you want to grab a coffee, my office is in Ybor City. And I love, Rosie knows I love hosting. Please come by or reach out. And my goal is to get to know as many people as possible here. And I, I love being in Tampa, and I love being connected to you, Rosie, and I, I just, uh, I'm very embraceable of all of these opportunities. Awesome. Thank you so much, Danielle. Thank you so much for your time. My friends, you can have, you can find more information about Danielle in the, um, in the description of the show. But today, as we close the show, I just want to mention to you guys, stay consistent when you are working on your purpose see finding your purpose will give you the why the knowledge the discipline to continue to persevere owning a business or having a goal it's not a one-time thing you have to continue to work with it every single day and every single day is a new beginning it's a new opportunity for you to choose your discipline to choose what you want to achieve and to follow your dream and follow your heart So my friends, you were created with a purpose that only you can fulfill. So stay pure, stay positive, and then stay inspired. This is Rosie Paulson. Ciao. You just enjoyed another episode of Cafecito with Rosie on air. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and visit www.rosiepaulson.com to learn more about Rosie Paulson Enterprises. Stay pure, stay positive, stay inspired.